Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim Vibe podcast. My name is Salim Qasim, I'm the chief editor of the Muslim Vibe and your host once again for this week's podcast. This week I'm joined by Sajjad Shah, who is the founder of the popular Instagram page and the author of number one best-selling Amazon book, Muslims of the World. Sajjad is a young Muslim from the United States who has high hopes of changing the way the world sees Muslims through powerful storytelling. In his book, Muslims of the World, he uses stories from all over the world to share stories of hope, love, women, empowerment, and faith. Today, we have him on the podcast to hear the story behind what has become one of the most powerful Muslim platforms in the world. Before we get underway, a quick word from our sponsor, Wahed Invest. Wahed helps you become a halal investor in minutes. Clients from over 40 states have already started their journey with us. Here's how it works. First, we ask you eight simple questions to recommend a portfolio based on your risk profile. You then select your portfolio and simply sign up online. Your account can be approved in seconds. After you fund your account, we'll place the trades for you. All you have to do then is sit back and monitor your performance. It actually is that easy. Um, so, Salaam Alaikum Sajjad, thank you very much for, for joining me today. Um, for, for, for those who don't know, and I don't think there are probably that many who don't because Muslims of the World is probably one of the biggest Instagram accounts um, to date. Can you tell us a little bit about Muslims of the World, why you started it, where it came from, just everything? Yeah, for sure. So um, it's funny because now we're doing presentations all across the country and we actually have an entire 35-minute presentation actually answering this question. <laughs> but I will try to give it to you in a nutshell. Um you know, I don't know what the Muslims are like in uh, UK, but the Muslims that are in America are really in kind of a tough position um, where a lot of the Muslim youth are now currently depressed, currently anxious. Uh, many of them have turned their backs on Islam. Uh, many of them are not praying and many of them just want nothing to do with Islam. And, you know, this was a trend that I started seeing getting worse and worse, um, I would say, you know, probably starting maybe six to seven years ago. And I was kind of going through that phase as well. I was in high school, I was in university, and I was feeling that same kind of feeling of, you know, being a Muslim in America is not easy because you're, you're always being, you know, you're always feeling that you're left out, you're being ostracized, you're, you're different from everybody else. So I started Muslims of the World, and the idea was simply take a picture of a Muslim and share the story. Take a picture of a Muslim and share the story. And these stories range from women empowerment to stories about love, stories about hijab, stories about refugees. Basically, if you were a Muslim and you had a story to share that was powerful and moving and emotional, here was a platform called Muslims of the World One on Instagram that you could share your opinion or share your story. And I started the page about three years ago, and then instantly it just took off. Um, you know, the first week we had, you know, a thousand followers reading the stories, and the second week we had 2,000 followers. And now, three years later, we have, um, between Facebook and Instagram, several hundred thousand followers, um, Hindus, Sikhs, Christians, uh, atheists, um, conservative Muslims, liberal Muslims, all of them coming and reading these beautiful stories of Muslims. And this is really important because it's kind of changing the way uh, both the world is seeing Muslims and also the way Muslims are feeling about themselves because they're able to kind of find similarities and correlations with other people uh, in the Muslim community uh, all across the world. And um, well, I guess my, one question that's been bugging me actually for about three years is why the one at the end was was Muslims of the World taken? <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Uh, 
So actually, originally my page was called Muslims of America. And I was sharing these stories of uh, Muslims in America, and the page was growing and growing. And then all of a sudden, I see this page called Muslims of the World that started taking the same stories from my page and sharing them on their platform. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, you know, typical Muslim behavior. Um, so I was like, I was like, let me, um, you know, at that time I had a much bigger following, but he was starting to grow fast. I don't know, he or she, whoever it was, but they were stealing literally the exact same stories from our page. And no credits in you. No credits or nothing. Okay. Um, so I was like, okay, uh, if this person wants to play this game, I'm going to do Muslims of the World 1, uh, because I did actually think Muslims of the World was a great name, uh, uh, because now it encompasses the whole world. And uh, and then we quickly regained our uh, regained our seat on our throne. So. And so is Muslims of the World still around, you know? You know what's funny is everybody's like, you know, because now I have a trademark for Muslims of the World, and people are like, you know, you can go get that original name now because you have a trademark. Uh <laughs> But, uh, I mean, I, I've just been really busy, but I think, I, I think if you look at the Muslims World page now, I don't know if it's still out there or yeah. if it even is updated, but I think the person quit after a couple of weeks. So. <laughs> yeah. that, that is, uh, that's not the answer I was expecting. I thought you said, oh, it wasn't there, so we think, but uh, that's interesting backstory. Yeah. It's um, a good story. You no, know, it definitely is. And um, with regards to, like, when you started this up, uh, did you expect it to take off in the way that it did? Because obviously you did it from a perspective of you were going through stuff, you knew a lot of people going through stuff, and you thought, let me share some stories. But what were you expecting, and how, how did the reality kind of hit you? Yeah, so, I mean, my background is entrepreneurship. Um, I did my undergraduate in accounting, I did my master's in public accounting, but my passion has always been entrepreneurship and also marketing and branding. Um, so when I say marketing and branding, I'm talking about... Um, you know, understand the psychology of people, how they look at a product or how they look at a service. And when I talk about entrepreneurship, I'm talking about coming up with creative uh, solutions for difficult problems. And the truth is, when I was looking at this trend, you know, as an entrepreneur, you try to study trends and patterns. And if you can identify trends and patterns accurately, you can then come up with products and services, you know, that cater to those trends and patterns. So seeing this trend of the Muslim youth in the direction that they're heading and that they're feeling lonely and they're feeling like they're lost, I knew that if I started Muslims of the World, I knew that it would get a big following. I didn't think it was going to be this big of a following. I didn't think that it was going to be a worldwide platform. Um, but I definitely did think that it was going to be popular. Um, but no, not this popular, that's for sure. I, I wouldn't have guessed it would be uh, would become something like this. And where, how did you go about getting people's stories? Like, yeah, How does that all happen? So, so you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know... Um, at that time, there was really no platform sharing stories of Muslim people. So what ended up happening is I, I live in Indiana. I started sharing some stories of people in my state. Um, you know, I would take a picture of them and share their story. And, and then, you know, more, before I knew it, everybody in my city and state were following that page. And then, you know, next thing you know, bordering states like Chicago and Ohio and then New York, people started following there. And then they started seeing the concept and then people would say, hey, you know, I have a story that is really good. Can I share it? So then things started kind of happening organically. And the next thing you know, um, I was getting stories sent to me, and it was it was awesome because the content that was there then I wasn't even having. To yeah, the con- when the content creates itself. It's, uh... Oh my god, that's like it's a dream come true. So. <laughs> and how do you then? I mean, I'm guessing now you must be inundated with emails and messages of stories and and people's yeah. journeys. How, how do you kind of pick and curate which ones make it and which ones don't? Yeah, so I mean, we have an entire team at Muslims of the World now. Um, and we kind of get these stories and we kind of vote on which ones we want to share, which ones we don't. Um, you know, some stories are really great. Some stories are a little inappropriate. Some stories are like, what was this person even thinking? Um, 
so, you know, we do go through like a screening process and we try our best to kind of give an unbiased form so that people don't think that there's a hidden agenda behind our platform. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just random. If we like the story and we think it's good, we'll post it. And what, what are you looking for generally in a story? Is it kind of something that will paint Muslims in a positive light or is it just humanizing Muslims? What's the, what's the underlying objective? You know, I would say kind of both. Um, I would say, you know, I try my best to make Islam and Muslims look good. So, I mean, if it's a story that's, like, really inappropriate, I don't want to post it. Because we do have a lot of people that are not Muslim that might read a story and say, what the heck are these people doing posting a story like this? So, so, you know, we try to find stories that are mainstream, stories that are going to make people feel comfortable, make people, make the majority, stories that are, are okay with the majority of people out there. Okay, then, getting maybe a little bit deeper on this. So in the UK, there's a lot of talk when it comes to this whole notion of Muslims and acceptance and being a part of society and assimilation, right? And I think one of the criticisms almost of of the approach that some people take is that we're only, or we're we're saying to people, oh, you know, you have to love us, you have to accept us because we're the good guys, because we're positive, because Mm -hmm. we give back. But the ultimate underlying reality is like, you know, as we're taught in Islam, we should love everybody um, for, for the sake of, of being human and because we're human. So if we're not putting our sort of ugly side forward, we're not showing the reality of who we are as people and, and that you know, not everyone has a great life. There are drug addicts who are Muslim. There are yeah. you know, people yeah. that have done, uh, committed sins, committed crimes, whatever else. If we're not showing that complete diversity in, in who we are, then when someone sees your Instagram page, they might say, okay, Muslims seem all right because, you know, oh, that person was a refugee, they struggled, they came out of it, that person found their faith in this way, whatever. Yeah. But then in their real life, when they encounter a Muslim and that Muslim isn't necessarily the nicest person, that person might have cut them up, yeah. um, you know, whilst driving or whatever else, then won't they suddenly go, okay, that whole thing is a lie and it's like a bit of propaganda? Yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing. Um, I completely agree with you and I completely understand what you're, what you're saying and where you're coming from. The truth is, though, there's so much bad information out there about Muslims that we don't need to fuel the fire. If, if people want to see, you know, if we, people want to see bad Muslims, they can listen to Trump. They can listen to anybody. So I, I think that, as I completely agree with you, we don't want to give this false, um, you know, uh, this false notion that oh, we Muslims we're just loving and we're trying to be forgiving and we're patient people. Um, <clears throat> you know. I would say that they see actually the ugly side of us way more often than they need to. So for me, I'm going to focus on the beautiful side of Muslims and the beauty of Islam because, uh, you know, Islamophobia is a $100 million market, um, which is doing a great job showing ugly sides of Muslims. So uh, at least in my perspective, I don't think I need to help with that. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I definitely agree with you on that. I just thought I might as well ask the question, see, see what came up. Um, (laughs) and, uh, with regards to the, the stories up until now, like I know for us, for example, with the Muslim vibe, when, whenever I'm asked this question, I always have like a couple of answers that straight away come to head, come to my mind. Um, what are one or two of the most impactful stories that have like personally touched you, um, or affected you or impacted you when you, when you saw them and read them? Yeah. Um, so there was one story and would you want me to just share the story with you? Yeah, yeah, feel free. Yeah. Okay. So it's funny because this story is really important, not only to the book, uh, not only to our organization, but also to uh, the book launches that we do. So when I, about 
a year a year and a half ago I had a story that was sent to me by one of my friends and it was a story of a young uh, Syrian girl named Hala Atik now Hala Atik was about 13 years old and she was living in Syria and this was about 19 in the 1970s so Hala Atik with her two sisters her mother and her father their whole family agreed that they were gonna leave Syria and head to America uh, for a better life so her father said to his wife and to his three daughters listen I'm gonna go to America I'm gonna set everything up and then two weeks later to his wife you take the three daughters and come meet me in uh, California so the father went there, set everything up. Two weeks passed. The mother took three daughters and said, okay, it's time for us to go to America. They packed very light, and they took their stuff. They went from Syria, and they flew all the way and landed in New York City where they had a layover. Now, when they got to the airport in New York, uh, this was back in 1970, so social media is not that big of a deal. Uh, it didn't even exist. And uh, the custom officer said, hey, ladies, um, you're here new to America. You have to take off those hijabs for these green card photos. Now, put yourself in this situation. You have a Syrian mother with her three daughters. They speak broken English. Their father and husband are not there because he's already in California waiting for them. They have little, few items. They don't have that much money. They're refugees. So the mother takes the hijab off, takes the photo, puts the hijab back on. Oldest sister does the same thing. Youngest sister does the same thing. And then it came to Hala Atik's turn who was this 13-year-old Syrian hijabi girl. Now, right before leaving uh, Syria, she uh, maybe a month or two before, she started to wear hijab. So hijab was something really important to her. She loved it. She endeared it. And she told the customs officers, uh, hijab is part of my faith. I'm not going to take off this hijab for anybody. And they were kind of taken back from this answer because this 13-year-old girl says this to them. So they look at her and say, well, listen, little girl, if you don't want to take your hijab off, you can fly back to Syria. And she said, I would rather go back home to Syria than stay in a state or a country that is going to strip me away from my religious rights. So now they're kind of like, whoa, where is this girl coming with all this? You know, she knows English now. <laughs> so uh, they put her in a back room after kind of arguing with her back and forth, and they tell each family member to go to that back room and speak to her to convince her to take the hijab off for the photo. Mother goes, she fails. Sister goes, she fails. Next sister goes, she fails. And then she screams at the top of her lungs to the security. She says, you can bring anybody back here. It doesn't matter. I'm not taking my hijab off for this photo. So at this point, security is there, management is there, customs is there. They're all trying to convince this young little girl to take off her hijab. And after about two and a half hours, they finally say, okay, little girl, you can take your uh, photo with your hijab on your head. And then I have the photo of, uh, of her, the one that she took at the airport. Now... This, was, this caused a huge scene. The mother was super upset with the daughter. She says, why are you so stubborn? Why don't you just listen to me? And they pick up their bags and they run to the next gate to catch their airplane. And they miss their flight because of all this back and forth with this hijab stuff. And now at this point, the mother is super angry. She says, why are you so stubborn? Why don't you listen to me? Now what do we do? We're like stuck here in New York. And then they went to the air, airplane um you know, front desk, and they finally convinced them to let them uh, get on the next plane. They were like, okay, we got another flight leaving at 9.30 tonight to California. 
So they waited, they got their stuff, they flew all the way then to California. And when they landed there, the mother was yelling at the daughter the entire time on the airplane. And they land at LAX airport, they get out, and their father comes running to them, and he's crying and he's crying. And he's like, you're alive, you're alive. And he kisses each one of them and hugs each one of them. And they're looking at him like, he's so weird, like, of course we're alive, what, what's wrong with you? The flight that they were supposed to get on, American Airlines number 181, crashed killing 279 people. It's actually one of the biggest crashes in American Airlines history. And then this young Syrian girl who fought for her hijab looks up at her family and says, hijab saved our family's life. Now, when I put this on Muslims of the World, over 40 million people read this story because it was an amazing story. And out of those 40 million people, there was a Spanish-speaking girl who lived in New York City who was on Facebook one day who came across this post, and she opened this post on Muslims of the World, and she read this story about this 13-year-old Syrian girl who just had such a strong passion for her hijab, and she was so moved by it that she ended up converting to Islam, and she wears hijab now. And when I do my presentations and I share this story, that Spanish-speaking girl will be in the is normally in the crowd, and I have her stand up, and she's there, and everybody in the crowd is just like, "Oh my gosh!" So wow. it's a uh, it's a very exciting um, moment. But this was probably one of my personal favorite stories because after this story, so many Muslim women put on hijab. Um, you know, you don't even have to be a Muslim to appreciate this story because it's somebody who well, really the essence of the story is that you're sticking true to your beliefs, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Hindu Sikh. And, um, and that's really kind of what Muslims of the world is about. I think we should end it there. I, 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 don't, I can't see this getting any better. Wow, that was unbelievable. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting like, oh yeah, some, you know, uh, yeah, wow. That was yeah. mind-blowing. I try to be a good storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is what you've been doing for the last three years. Um, but yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, we do this. We, are, we now travel. What's interesting is this. So for my Indiana event, this is the one that Harun Mukhtazar that went to. This was like my big, grand book launch. And that little 13-year-old Syrian girl, I had her fly to Indiana. And I had her stand up. And then I had that Spanish-speaking girl stand up. And they were standing next to, sitting next to each other. They didn't know that they were sitting next to each other. No. And then they, they, they met each other for the first time, this girl who converted to Islam because of this girl and this girl who converted to Islam, you know, who shared the story about all the way, you know, 40, 50 years ago, back when she was 13. So, um, you know, it's uh, storytelling is a powerful thing. That's what... Uh, really Muslims of the world, not just an Instagram page, we're really actually uh, trying to move people with these stories. So That's, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit lost for words, genuinely, like that's, oh, okay. that's amazing. Um, oh, thank you so much. No, it's incredible. I think, I, I like the fact that you, there's obviously something deeper than just, you know, take a picture, post up a little story and grow your yeah. following. Because I think, Unfortunately, a lot of people are caught in this whole thing of like trying to grow a following for the sake of growing a following. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and I, I, I love the fact, in fact, that you have something deeper to it. And like there yeah. is a there is a mission underlying. Yes. Um, I think that's awesome. It's so funny that you actually just said that because, um, you know, um, 
today actually I'm addressing um, on my page, my personal Instagram page, not Muslims of the World, but on my personal Instagram page, I'm actually addressing, you know, this whole fake activism slash fake uh, being woke, which is this idea that, you know, um, somebody will put up on their social media page, oh, guys, uh, Yemen is in an awful condition and Gaza needs our help, Bangladesh needs our help. But then when you give them an opportunity to donate, they don't donate. When you give them an opportunity to volunteer, they don't volunteer. If you ask them what they're doing for a living, they're not serving you know, a nonprofit that focuses on Yemen or uh, Syria or Palestine. So people oftentimes want to just relevant uh, to grow a following. But then when you actually ask them, what are you actually doing for Gaza? Or what are you actually doing for Yemen? They don't have any answer. I think, because um, I was having this conversation with someone the other day on this topic, I think that a lot of people, unfortunately, are stuck in the cycle of, of necessity of life, which is putting food on the table, which is just, you know, having enough money yeah. to pay rent and whatever else. And then when you get home at seven, eight o'clock, if you're a family person, for example, you spend time with your kids and whatever else, yeah. where is the capacity then to do anything else? So giving your money is one thing. And, I, I, you know, you're right that whenever you see a fundraiser, it's become almost like a saturated market now where, you know, every day I could be donating to 10 different causes that I yeah. haven't seen the previous day because there's so much going on. But I guess the difficulty and, and, you know, in some regard, you and I are both lucky that we're able to kind of channel uh, our energy in or even just part of our energy in our in our day to day life. That's of something that's bigger than us. And, yeah. and something that will actually give back, hopefully, and, 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 you know, will have a positive impact on the Muslim community at large. But, yeah. but I, I guess the, the, the question is, and I don't know if you have an answer for this, but where do people, people find that capacity if they can't factor it into their, their, their life? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, you know, yeah, I, you know, and, and, and that's why I'm, I'm thinking about how I can say this in a crafty way, even on my own personal page, because I don't want to offend people or discourage people. Uh, because then people are like, well, you know what, uh, just because I don't have Muslims of the world, that means I can't help. Yeah. And that's not the case. But at the same time, you know, you could do things a little more effectively, even if you don't have a huge following. For example, um, you know, listen, if you ask me if you can afford a $5 Starbucks drink every day, then you can also donate to a campaign. And if you think about it, if all these people who are buying Starbucks uh, just puts $5 in, like all these Muslim youth that are buying Starbucks, if they even put $5 in, we could really literally raise $5 million for Yemen tomorrow. The, the um, real question also is why are Muslims buying Starbucks? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, let's not get into that whole... Uh... Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other thing we can get into. But, like, you know, that, you know what I'm saying. At the end of the day, you know, yeah. uh, you don't have to give millions of dollars. So the, there's kind of this idea that, well, I'm a student, so I can't really do anything. No, if you're a student, you can put together a, a group of students and do something. So, But the thing is, if you ask me, people really are not putting the effort into actually creating change. Um, and because of that... Uh, they're not creating change. I mean, you really, your, your posts that go out to 400 of your followers, uh, 399 of them are going to do nothing and one of them are going to maybe reply. But also, I mean, so, also the majority of, of a person's followers is going to agree with everything you're saying anyway. Yeah, so, exactly. So what's the point? Like, how, how, are, we, how are we penetrating? How are we getting out and, and reaching people that we don't necessarily share uh, opinions or thoughts or views with? That's for yeah. me. I think that's 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 a real challenge that people need to start facing. Where when you're yeah. trying to be a um, 
an online activist or whatever yeah. you want to call it, um, you, you, reaching out to people beyond your circle is what you need to be doing, not just yeah. regurgitating the same thing to people who already know exactly what you think. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, these book launches that I have, um, you know, I went through a Jehalia period in my life where I was a, kind of a wild, a wild, wild child. But, um, you know, uh, at these book launches that I have, a lot of my friends that were from high school and from college, uh, university, these uh, non-Muslim friends that I have, they come to my uh, book launches. And you have these, you know, these blonde hair, blue eyed white girls coming to these Muslims of the world book launches, which is very interesting because, you know, they would never come any other uh, for any other way or any other reason. So, But they're just coming um, for you. Yeah, but then they end up listening to the presentation, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, so so yeah. They came to catch up. <laughs> you know, I say it's in the name of Islam, but uh... <laughs> as as you said, they, they, days of jahiliya. That's fine. We can yeah, we can yeah, move exactly. forward. <laughs> but you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the. Um, I, I think it's very important because you know. Um, it's funny because these people who often, like many people, look at and say, "Well, he he's a partier and he he does this sin and that sin." Well, actually, those people, if they ever do start taking Islam seriously, which inshallah, I hope everybody takes Islam seriously, they always have a unique circle to bring to you know youth interfaith events and people that people you know circles that you know your t- typical tablighi jamaat cannot do. Yeah. So you know it's uh, it, it's important. So what I got from what you just said is that. The club can be an interfaith gathering, if you look at it in the right way. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to issue any fatwas, but yes. <laughs> just I'm just reinterpreting your words as I'm hearing them. Um, <laughs> okay, no, let's <laughs> That's uh, let, so let's, funny. let's get back on topic. So, um, okay, so, so the Instagram page. Um, what? Where did this book come from? So there's now a, a Muslims of the World book. How? Like. Yeah. Why Why did you guys venture into that? How did that all happen? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we, um, one of the things that we started to talk about is that, um, you know, Muslims of the world, um, it was obviously the social media page, and, you know, to a certain extent, you know, social media, a lot of people are on there, but there's also actually a lot of people that aren't on social media as well. And, um, you know, when you try to think of how can you take your platform to the next level, um, a book is very important, especially a coffee table book. So we, we did a couple things here. So first off, uh, most people don't read anyways. Um, so what we did is we created a coffee table book that's very visually appealing. Uh, it's filled with amazing photos, high quality photos, very good stories, short and simple. You don't have to sit down and read the book for three hours. You could pick it up, read it for 10 minutes, put it down. Um, and we thought that it would be really good because, listen, um, Malcolm X has a beautiful quote that says, you know, you have to be careful about the media because the media is able to make the guilty look innocent and make the innocent look guilty. And that's power because they're able to control the minds of the masses. So if we know that, then media, whether it be social media, whether it's uh, literature, whether it's books, we are able to change the way people see this religion and this faith. Um, and for that reason, that is why we started uh, this book, uh, because we wanted to try to change the way the world sees Muslims and, and try to do it in every factor possible. Social media, books, uh, speaking engagements, you name it, we're trying to do it at Muslims of the World. That's awesome. And I think with the book as well, um, we, we received a copy a couple of weeks ago. And one thing I, I 
I like doing every now and then because it just kind of sits on my desk. <laughs> Um, is is you know the the big block quotes that you guys have yeah um, in the book that's really nice because whilst the stories are great and you can kind of dig a little bit deeper just having yeah. these it's randomly awesome. profound statements which even you know in themselves in isolation are, are, are quite striking because this yeah. isn't like a hadith or a Quran quote this is just someone telling their story and yeah. and there's like a, a, a deep amount of wisdom in there and also I love the the diversity every page you flick there's like a different color skin color and like different country and it's yeah it's amazing and so are these all stories from your instagram page or no so actually what's in so why we wanted this book to be a little more special is because these stories you will not find on our instagram page okay Um, you know and in that way there's actually a there's there's a reason to actually buy the book because if they're all on the instagram page then uh, you know there's no point in buying the book but um this book has we hired that photographer Allah Hamdan and she traveled the, traveled the world and captured these stories and some of these stories we captured ourselves but um, you know they're, they're more detailed more uh, in depth because a lot of the stories on Instagram you can only fit a certain caption as well so these stories are a little more meaningful a little more impactful and a little more detailed that's awesome and it is a is a fantastic I mean congratulations I think just on, on getting it out there because it's a looks and feels uh, so great and I, I guess I'm I'm more than happy to plug it on your behalf, but it's available on Amazon and everywhere else. I'm guessing. So yes, it's available on Amazon and uh, it's very cheap as well. I think it's you know in UK, I think it's like thirteen pounds or something or twelve pounds. Something like that. Something cheap. And and so who um, is is your target audience essentially the same as with your Instagram, or is it just people that aren't on social media? You know, um, it's actually the same. It's a, it's you know, basically anybody that has an open heart and open mind. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, so we had a book launch in Arizona, and so when I do book launches, I have um, it's a team of me and uh, this spoken word poet named Fatima Shendi. Uh, Fatima Shendi, she's actually on the front cover of the book, the 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 bottom left uh, picture. She's an amazing poet, actually, and she. Um, so she lives in Ohio, I live in Indiana, and our, the book launch was in Arizona. So I flew from Indiana to Arizona, and then Fatima flew from Ohio to Chicago, Chicago to Arizona. And when she flew to Chicago, um, you know, she just recently put on hijab, and this man came up to her, She's he was about 6'3", and he came up to her, and she was kind of nervous, because she says, why is this man coming up to me? He said, hey, um, could I ask you a question? And she said, um, yeah, sure. This is in Chicago airport, which has like millions of people. Um, he came up to her and said, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah, what is it? She said, he said, um, I'm reading this book and I, I'm trying to learn more about Muslims. And I was wondering if I could, uh, if I could, uh, ask you a few questions. And she said, yeah. And then she said, what book is it? And then she, he pulls out the Muslims of the world book. So you had this guy and then she ended up, he ended up sitting down with her and he had, um, he bought her coffee and this guy was six, three. He was in the, he used to be in the army and he was from, I believe North Dakota. And he said in North Dakota, I've never met a Muslim before. I didn't know much about Muslims. I've always heard this and that. So I bought this book because I wanted to get a clear, precise version and, you know, answer about what Muslims are like. And, you know, I mean, you think about this, this book, I mean, it, we did this to start conversations. I mean, now now you have a, a girl and a guy who probably would never have spoken to each other before in a coffee shop in Chicago airport, 
uh, both learning about one another and, you know, uh, breaking stereotypes. So, uh, you know, this book is really for anybody. It's really random who we end up figuring out who, uh, who reads it, who doesn't. That's, that's, that's really nice. Um, you know what, what, what I think from, from your perspective as well, being able to get that kind of feedback from people and hearing those stories and I, yeah. I, I guess Instagram is a lot more conducive to that. People are, they seem a lot more willing to kind of just randomly send a message and share and reply yeah. to your story and kind of engage with you in that way. Um, exactly. How, how, do you, how do you, if you don't mind me asking, how do you find the time to, to manage all those communications or is that just the team that comes into um, it? So, you know, um, I would say, um, and this is actually going back to like that fake activism that I told you about, um, you know, a lot of people, you have to work hard. Like, that really is what it comes down to. And, and, and most people don't. Uh, they, they don't. They think that everything's easy. Um, if you ask most people, even about Muslims of the world, they're just like, oh, you know, he just took the book and he just uh, took a few posts from his Instagram page. There's nothing special about it. Um, they don't know that, you know, we had to pitch uh, the book idea to 30 different publishing companies. Mm. You know, we had to land a, a book deal. We had to then come up with uh, so many details, go back and forth with every single person in the book to get high-resolution photos, uh, get the story put together, uh, get a ghostwriter to edit the, the grammar. and So much goes into it. And people don't know that. They, they just think everything's easy. Um, they think activism's easy. They think raising uh, money for Yemen is easy, all that stuff. So, I mean... Really what it comes down to is, yeah, you have to work hard. And I actually do it all by myself. Uh, my team doesn't handle anything in terms of, like, social media. I handle all that by myself. Yeah. Um, but, you know. I, I, yeah, you got- yeah I, to echo everything you've just said, even with the Muslim vibe, we've been running for four years. Um, and and it's, it's, you know, we were having a conversation just before we started recording. Like, it's a very small team that we have. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for the first couple of years, it was myself and my business partner. We were running a full-time business and and we set up the muslim site the muslim vibe alongside that and you, you know it's nice when people come up to you and go oh you know you guys have amazing reach this and that at the moment but it's like the the, the blood sweat and tears um and the sacrifices yeah. that you make people don't ever see um yes and 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 they kind of want the they want to be able to to, to do something but without the slog yeah and I think that's that's the thing where, like, I remember just, you know, just a little sort of insight on our side. The, the day before we launched The Muslim Vibe, myself and my business part- partner were in the office till about 7 a.m., literally populating the website, you know, f- featured images, just getting all the formatting right. We spent, like, the whole night in the office just to get yeah. it ready. And, and like, yeah. you look back now with kind of fond memories, but the next day was a write-off. It was a Sunday. My yeah. wife wanted me to spend time with her, and I was just like shattered because I'd just been up yeah. all night. But that's you know, as you said, and I'm I'm keen to obviously see what you you end up posting on on your Instagram about this, because yeah. I think people it's important that people need to kind of understand and appreciate how much goes in the back. And, and to be honest, I think sometimes we're at fault because we don't really put that side forward on social media. We're always putting our best yeah. face forward. You're right, you're um, right. And we don't talk talk about our own struggles. So when we feel kind of isolated, alone, and like you know, just overburdened with work and balancing life and family and whatever else, we don't talk about that. So people yeah. don't see that. They just see like, oh look, here's Muslims of the world. Here's a Muslim vibe. It's great. I can do that, yes. or I want to be able you're to so do right. that. You're so right. You're so right. And I think that that's why you know I'm not really too concerned about 
you know, when people say, well, I want to do something like Muslim Vibe or I want to do something like Muslim Zorada, I'm like, go ahead. Like, really go ahead and try it out and let me know how it uh, works out for you because it, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of discipline. And, and, and most people, they just don't have what it takes because they just want to... Uh, I disagree. They do have what it takes. They don't have the right they mentality. They do have what it takes. They're not patient enough. Yeah. And most people, you know, I mean, like, because they're just like, you know, I want to have fun. <laughs> and uh, actually, yeah, I don't think there's anything special about me. I don't. I can't say the same thing about you, but I don't think there's anything special Thanks. about me. I think that, I think that um, <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, if you want to do it, you can. It's just, uh, you have to do things the most effective way. So. No, of course. And and I think uh, the last thing I wanted to discuss with you as well is just the, the stuff you're doing around Yemen. So I, yeah. I had a look at your Instagram account and... Um, the content's obviously quite different over the last few days from what you've been yeah. posting recently or what you usually post. And uh, I had a look at the, the GoFundMe page and you've raised almost £150,000 or dollars in, in nine days, which is remarkable and, and you know, well done and congratulations for, for achieving that. Um, right. But where did the idea come from? How did that all happen? Yeah. So actually... Um... Part of what Muslims of the World does is we partner up with different nonprofits and we raise money for them. So actually, this Ramadan, in 12 days, we raised 290000 for Yemen. Uh, $290,000. So, um, you know, $150,000 actually isn't one of our best campaigns, but it's not bad. Um, but we, you know, the question then comes to play is, okay, you have this big audience, you have this big following, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Um, okay, you can share stories, that's great. But if you know that you have the attention of all these readers and this many people are reading, then you also know that you're able to also raise, you know, six figures in just a couple of days. So, um, you know, we've done that for Yemen, we've done that for Syria, alhamdulillah. Uh, this Friday I fly out to Turkey to help with Syrian refugees. Um, January I fly to Bangladesh to help with Bangladeshi, the uh, Rohingya crisis. So, um, you know, part of, you know, taking this platform, Muslims of the world, and also using it for good and showing the showing the world about um, things that sometimes people forget when they're on social media. That's incredible. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely very glad that we, we got to have this conversation because... Oh, man, likewise, man. You're but, amazing. And, and I hope that, you know, people listen to this and kind of realize and, and see that, you know, that it's nice when, when, you know, I've seen Muslims of the world for a long time. Um, and I've never known what it's about. We've never actually had a conversation before. Before today, um, I found out that I knew your business partner, Harun, um, just by pure chance. Um, But I I, I really like and respect the fact that there is a lot of thinking behind what you're doing and and you appreciate the fact that you have a platform um, and you need to use it for good. And, and, you know, obviously the work, the primary work you're doing is already good. But as you said, if you can raise thousands of pounds for charity at the same time, then yeah. why not? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's phenomenal. And I, I, again, like I'm, I'm just a little bit in awe actually um, of, of, of you guys. You're doing an amazing job. Um, but th- that's it. Unless you you have anything else you want to say, but I'm 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 spent. I'm just I'm amazed. <laughs> uh, no, man. Uh, thank you so much for your time, and thanks so much for uh, highlighting the work that we're doing. Because yeah, the the more opportunities that we get like this, the more people get to know about us and. Um, I think we're both in similar spaces trying to do good, something good. So, um, you know, hopefully, inshallah, we both have Baraka in our work and Allah like grows both of our platforms. Well, that's all for this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening and thank you to Sajjad for his time. Um, 
I hope you liked the podcast and if you did, please consider liking it and giving us a subscribe on iTunes and any other podcast app out there. Um, yeah, and tune in next time for more great content. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wahed helps you become a halal investor in minutes. Clients from over 40 states have already started their journey with us. Here's how it works. First, we ask you eight simple questions to recommend a portfolio based on your risk profile. You then select your portfolio and simply sign up online. Your account can be approved in seconds. After you fund your account, we'll place the trades for you. All you have to do then is sit back and monitor your performance. It actually is that easy.